Lord, we surrender all. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And God, surprise, we do better than that. I think that was awesome. I don't know about you, but my day was busy ripping and running. I needed a little worship before I got started. Amen. Amen. Just a little worship to get our hearts ready and our minds ready. Amen. 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 Scoot on up. I'm still sitting out far back. We family. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, Sister Chardet, for that. For ushering in the presence. I always feel that the word goes forth better when you get a little worship with it. Amen. So we are grateful to be here tonight as we are still in our series of Lord teaches how to pray on Wednesdays. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue to dig into the Bible about prayer uh, and everything what God has given me this week. We're going to have a quick word of prayer before we get started and we're going to jump into the word. So dear Lord, we thank you, O oh God, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, O oh God, for watching over us, O oh God, throughout our daily journeys, O oh God, allowing us to make it here safely, O oh God. We pray, Father God, you would give us a word, O oh God, something that will revive us, O oh God, and give strength to our prayer life, Father God, that we will learn how to pray, O oh God, how to please you in our prayers, O oh God, to be effective in our prayers, Father God. And we just pray, Father God, you just have your way with us, O oh God. The song said, O oh God, we surrender all, O oh God. So we surrender our minds, our hearts, our talents, our gifts, everything, O oh God. We surrender it all to you because you gave it to us in the first place. So we are grateful for you, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you know, uh, those that were here last week, we talked about the 10 locks of prayers. Amen. Amen. Things that block our prayer life and, and mess us up and kind of jam it up. It's clogged up. We can't get it through. So today we're going to talk about the 10 keys of prayer. Amen. All right. All right. So the 10 keys of prayer, as you can see on the screen. Uh, scriptures up there, Jeremiah 33 and 3, it says this, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you did not know. Wow, that right there is promising to me right there. Look at what God is saying. If you call, call to me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you didn't know. And the reason this is so important is because at this time of Jeremiah's life, uh, the, uh, Israel was taken in Babylonian captivity. So they had been disobeying God. So King Nebuchadnezzar came. He took Israel. They were going to be captives in Babylon at this point in time. And God is saying this to them. And if you remember from Sunday, one of the scriptures I referenced was that God says, I know the plans I have for you. Thoughts of peace and uh, to give you a hope in a future and expected end. That God doesn't think evil thoughts against us. Well, that scripture in that text is saying that well, that happened right there. They were getting exiled for 70 years. God said, look here, y'all disobeyed me. I mean, y'all gotta, they gotta get punished. I'm sorry, but y'all gotta go deal, deal with this seven years. But I still thought good thoughts of you. I have a plan for you, and I have a purpose for you, even in the midst of all of this. So that's where that scripture comes from. So I want you to understand that we can experience victory in our prayer life as God promised to answer us and show us mighty things. So the first key in our prayer life is persistence. Being persistent in your prayer life. As we see the text. Uh, right there, Matthew 7 and 8, it says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open. And this is coming out the uh, mouth of Jesus. Jesus is saying this, so I kind of thought about it. Imagine if you needed money for your rent. You needed money for your rent and you didn't have it. You was going to get kicked out and you knew you had that. You had time before you got kicked out. What would you do? 
You would ask everybody, you would knock on everybody's door, you would do everything you could to make sure you got this rent because you don't want to get put out. I know I would. I'm knocking, scratching, clawing, doing whatever I got to do. So God is saying this, Jesus is saying this, have that same tenacity about me. Ask me persistently, ask me relentlessly. Don't stop asking, don't stop knocking because God wants to give it to you. And then how do you, once we continue to knock, we know it is him that gave it to us because we ask, we put prayer before us. So if it's to fix a burden or for a blessing, it doesn't matter what it is. We have to depend on God and know that he's able to answer all our prayers. Amen. So when we are doing this and we are asking God, it leads to the next key. Y'all can take pictures or whatever you need to do. The slides is fine by me. Do whatever you need to do so you can remember them. But, but after we make up our mind to be persistent, the next thing we have to do is pray in faith. And that seems like common sense, Pastor, pray in faith. But all of us don't pray in faith all the time. Mark eleven twenty four says this. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. I mean, that sounds so simple, don't it? Whatever you believe, whatever you're going to pray, believe you're going to receive them and you're going to have them. And God said this, and God spoke this to me, that if you don't believe you're going to get it, you're not going to get it. <laughs> it's just that simple. If you don't believe you're going to get it, you're not going to get it. Henry Ford said this, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. That's deep right there. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can. So you can't come to God in doubt. You have to understand that we have to go to God in faith. God is moved by our faith. God moves by faith. It is faith what makes God move and make him uh, 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 help us out in our realm is by our faith. So what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith means faith is not blind faith. I'm not going to jump off a building and say, God, going to catch me in a second. That doesn't make any sense. That's dumb. Faith is not blind. Faith has to have some substance to it. What are you believing God for? And what does it have to do with your life? You got to know what you're praying for. You can't just be praying for anything because if I'm praying for his will in my life, he's more prompt to give me things that are going to help his will. Because if my will is aligned with his will, that means we're praying for things that's going to help him advance the kingdom, not only help me. It can't be selfish. See, Jesus, when he got, well, Jesus got everything he prayed for. I thought, well, Jesus got everything he prayed for. Every time Jesus prayed to the Father, God answered. And the cop out is like, well, that's the son of God. He's God. It's easy for him to get everything. But how did, when they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, what did Jesus say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Before he got to asking for God to do anything, the thing I need most is for your will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's the key. It's why Jesus' prayer life was so powerful and his prayers were answered almost immediately at any time was because he always was praying the Father's will. So we got to understand the importance of praying the Father's will, but praying in faith has to do that, all right? The next one, number three, praying in secret. Praying in secret. We talked about this last week. I'm going to read verse five. It's not on the screen, but verse five says this in Matthew. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Wow, that's that deep right there. 
that God who sees in secretly will reward you openly. So God is peeking in on our prayer life to see what we're doing. He's seeing what we're doing. He's looking to say, okay, I, I see them. I see what they're doing. They're not just praying for show. They're not just praying for that. And that uh, seeing God uh, do things in us in secret and reward us openly, which shows us that whatever I do in private, I'm going to get a public blessing. So we miss that. We miss that. We don't. We, we, we want God to bless us in public, but we spend no time with him in private. It doesn't work like that. The blessing comes from spending time with him in private and at home. And I'm going to give you an example of that, of this spiritual uh, principle, Galatians 6, uh, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he also reaps. For he who sows to the flesh will also reap. So will, will, sorry, sorry, he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So we like to say, you got karma coming back. The Bible does not say karma. Karma is not a word in the Bible. The Bible says it's the principle of the seed and the farmer. If you plant seeds, you're going to reap with a harvest whatever you sow. If you plant apple tree, apple, apple seeds, you're going to get an apple tree. You're not going to get an orange. If you plant good, if you plant a prayer life, you're going to get rewarded for your prayer life. If you plant sin, you're going to get rewarded for sin. So no matter what we do, it's coming back to us because it's the time, seasons, times, and harvest is what we see on the earth. So God assigned us just like that as well. So if we understand that this, that the principle of reaping and sowing is in every area of my life. But that doesn't mean I don't pray in public. That doesn't mean that. I sh it should be a time where we pray in public. It should be a time where we come together in corporate worship and we pray together as we pray. It should be a time for all these things. But God is saying, I need you to get somewhere praying at home as well. Uh, uh, one day I think I'm going to preach a message called Keep It In The Closet. Yeah, yeah keep it, let's keep it in the closet. Because God just said, go into the secret place. The New Living Translation says, go to my closet. So God is trying to say that when we go to the closet, it's something special happening. I just think about my own personal life. Sometimes when I'm in my closet, sometimes I get a worship in there that's not like any other worship I can get anywhere else. Sometimes I get a word from God concerning my life, my family, this ministry. It comes when I'm in my closet. It don't come all the time when I'm with everybody else. Sometimes it comes when it's just me and God. It's something powerful there when it's just me and God. So you got to understand the importance of getting together. And guess what? Us that have kids, they should know what your secret place is. They should know. The kids know daddy going to the closet. They think they can stay in my bed a little bit longer. Cool, I'm going to go in the bed and chill because daddy going to the closet. They uh, already asked, you going to the closet tonight. But that's my, it don't have to be a closet. It could be somewhere downstairs. But it should be something in the house where the kids know this is where we pray at. This is where me and God spend time at. Give them that, that thing because everybody has a, we got a living room. You got the kitchen. Every room has a purpose and some purpose in the house. God need to be in the house. And your place and your secret place is where you talk to God and commune with God. So it's important to establish a secret place in your own home. Amen? Amen. All right. The next one. I think this is, this is number four. Yes. Praying according to God's will. This is 1 John, 1 John 5, 14 to 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask... We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Wow, wow. That, that, that's, that's a bold statement right there. Bold. That we ask, if we ask anything of him, he hears our petitions, that God's hearing us. So how do I know I'm praying the will of God? How do I know I'm in the will of God? By knowing God's word. Don't miss this. Have to know the word. Uh, 
to, to be a Christian, you have to get in your word. It's imperative to get in your word. This is how I know God's will. This is how you can identify false prophets. This is how everybody can't say nothing. Everybody can't speak into my life. Because what you speak into my life, it should align with God's word. Whatever you're saying. But if I don't know God's word, somebody can tell me anything. That's why the Bible says, try the spirit by the spirit to see if it's of God. But how do I know if it's of God if I don't know his word? That's like saying, uh, I'm about to play a game, I'm about to play basketball, but I know none of the rules. How do I know they're not cheating? How do I know they're not playing the game right if I don't know none of the rules? Same things with God. I believe that's, sometimes people are deceived because don't get it twisted just because it's church. Don't mean they ain't crooked people. They've been crooked people since the beginning. It's all kind of false prophets in the Old Testament. It was all kind of people doing stuff for their own gain. So it's going to be crooked people in every area of life. But we got to take some responsibility in that. I got to know the word for myself so I'm able to identify if you're trying to trick me, whatever the case may be. So, so, so what did Paul say? Paul said, I beg you, brothers, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But then he also said this, that you may not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you be, may be able to know what is good, what is pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Knowing the word helps you know the perfect will of God. Because someone is an eloquent speaker, they can get you off track. I, you, you, it's all kind of message you can probably see on YouTube that people are preaching all this stuff and ain't none of it in the Bible. And people are just into it and they're happy and happy and happy and happy because they, they, they know how to tickle ears. So it's imperative that we have to take responsibility and know the word for ourselves. Amen. Amen. All right. The next one. Praying in Jesus name. Very important. Very important. Praying in Jesus name. One of the locks was not knowing Jesus as your personal savior that we talked about uh, the week last week, last time we was here. Because if I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior, then I can't pray anyway. I don't have a connection to God. Me and God are not connected. So, so but praying in Jesus' name is one of our keys. Look at the text. It says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's power right there. That's power that Jesus talking. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But see, it's the will of God be in the will of God. See, it's the will of God that people get saved and you see salvation. It's the will of God that we experience answer prayer. All this is the will of God. But just because Jesus said, I will do it, don't mean he out here writing blank checks. Yeah, Jesus ain't saying, whatever you ask, you can have. No, no, no. You got to put some Bible on it because whatever you ask in his name, it has to go along with his will. It can't be rooted in selfishness. The reason you asking for it can't be just for your own personal gain to make your life better, to make your life great and then kicking him to the curb. No, it has to have be rooted and grounded in him. It can't be filled with ambition and selfish ambition and whatever we want to do. Just because I want it so bad I'm going to ask God for it and put Jesus' name on the end and think I'm going to get it. It don't work like that. He says, if you ask anything in my, in my name, I will give it. And in the next verse, I don't have it up there. It's 15. And we leave that part out. And that's what we got to be careful of. Because a lot of times we quote scriptures and don't say the whole thing. Jesus says, all this stuff, pray for me. I go to the Father. You ask in my name, I'm going to give it to you. And then verse 15 says this. But if you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. So he's attaching that. Yes, you ask in my name. And yes, I'm willing to do anything. 
if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You mean it's a coalition between loving me and keeping my commandments, which allows you to ask in my name, which allows me to answer you. But we just think, hey, I prayed in Jesus' name. He's going to do it for me. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? No, 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 no. It doesn't always work like that. When we pray in his name, we're also saying that you are my Lord, you are my Savior, and I'm obeying your commandments, and I love you. When we ask for things in Jesus' name. The next one, one of the uh, keys in praying is praying in agreement. This is Matthew 9, 18, 19, and 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That's powerful right there as well. Another proclamation from Christ letting us know that if uh, if we're in agreement that he's there If it's two or three of us he's there But this is not an excuse to not come to church Amen. Yeah I done came across people I don't know if you have like, well, We can fellowship two or three come together in his name we, That's not what he's saying right there He's talking about praying he's talking about church He's talking about praying but, but, but because we see what we want to see And take what we want to take He's not talking about that he's talking about prayer But it's amazing that Jesus says that I want us to come together Two or three come together, he's able to be in the midst and do a mighty thing. I mean, he doesn't need a lot of people to make a lot of moves. Okay. Be careful when we're not understanding that us in agreement and us walking in unity is important. God is saying, look here, I need y'all to walk in unity. I need y'all to be in agreement. Jesus said, if two of you, two, husband and wife, don't take a lot. Think about that. Those of you that desire to be married, if two of you Walk together. That's why the devil attacks marriages so bad. Because it only takes two of you to be together and agree in a prayer life. Imagine if the husband and wife agree in a prayer life. Agree for their kids. Agree for their lives. For, the, for salvation. For all the things that they need. If they can come together and agree, they can destroy some things, y'all. Our society will be together. We can come together and agree. That's why we have so many problems sometimes in households. Because we don't come together and agree. How can I love you and be my life partner if we can't come together and pray? How can I say I want to? I stand before God and say for sickness and health and better and worse and all these things, and I'm going to love you to the end, and we can't even come together and pray. I think that's why so many marriages fail is because we're not praying together. Like I said, Lady Thomas get up here and it means more. I can say we have a great marriage all I want, but when she says it, mean this means something a little different. Amen. When she says, I can say it all day, but when she says it, she said it last Sunday. And I'm thinking, like, we pray together every day, every day, morning and night. Uh, and if God is in the middle of there or something else, but every day we pray together. We started that when we was when we was engaged, and it hasn't stopped. And it's imperative to have a great relationship, to go to the Father, to have God in the midst of y'all. Y'all like a three-strand cord. You ever seen that movie, uh, Not Easily Broken, I think is what it's called? And I think the preacher talks about that. It's a scripture in Ecclesiastic, I believe that a three-strand cord is not easily broken, which means when you got a cord with three strands, which was the husband, the wife, and God, when you got a cord with three strands, it can't be broken apart. But a cord with two strands is easy. We have to realize that prayer is important in our life as a marriage, but also in the church. If two or three of us come and agree, you got to be willing to stand in the gap for somebody. I might not. I might need. Uh, somebody to pray for. Maybe it's my brother. Maybe it's my sister. Maybe it's my father. Something's going on in our life. I need believers to stand in agreement with me. We gotta come together and be in agreement. And what does that mean when we come together? It's no gossiping. 
So backbiting. It's nobody being bitter. That's not agreeing. That's destruction. That's disagreement. And God can't work with that. The Bible says this. God says this. How lovely is it when my brethren dwell together in unity? Which means the only way some certain prayers get answered is when we on one accord. God can only move certain ways when everybody got the same heart and the same mind. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. When we all on one accord, mighty things God can do, y'all. You ever seen the movie 300? You never seen it? Man, them dudes, they got the, the, the army that was, I don't know how many, they probably had 25,000 men that fought this little small group of 300 men. And they had all the weapons, they had all the people to defeat them, but they all moved on one accord. They held their shields together all in the same way. They said, you know what, even when they strike us, and we all hold our shields like this, they can't hit us, you know what I mean? We all attack at the same time. So even though they more than us, we all attack simultaneously, we're able to beat them. And that's how we should move as a church, y'all. We have to move with the same, uh, same tenacity and on the same frequency. We're on the same frequency, God can do amazing things. So agreement gets answers. Don't miss that. Agreement, agreement, walking together, walking together as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how we get answers in our prayer life. Amen. Amen. All right. The next one. Praying while fasting. Amen. Praise God. Y'all ready for another fast? Mm -hmm. Yes. No, okay. Okay. I was like, nah, I ain't gonna lie to you, Pastor. I'm good. I don't know. <laughs> Pray for me. I need some prayer. Because uh, I don't know. But amen. But we will again eventually. But fasting is important. It's a biblical discipline. It's something you just got to train yourself to and train and learn. It's very important as we see in this scripture. Acts 14 verse 23 says this. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had to believe. So Acts, this is when the church was getting started. The book of Acts is how the church is getting started. The, the formation of the church is coming together. And Paul, who was Saul, and Barnabas have been sent out. So they're going to different countries. And now they've been setting up churches and getting stuff established. They find some, they're trying to find some men that can hold it down while they leave it. They got to get on the ship and go to the next place. They got to spread the gospel. They got to tell more people about Jesus. So they come, they're like, what are we going to do? We got to leave. We got to go and, and spread the good news. So they pray and they fasted to see who God wanted to leave in charge. Fasting is something about sacrificing your flesh it makes us sensitive to God's voice. Don't miss that. It's something about sacrificing your flesh. Some things you got to be sure about in life. Uh, sometimes we miss God. Everybody misses God sometimes. You're praying and you think you heard God sometimes. Ah, didn't work out. And it's just us learning and trying to get our prayer life together and learning. But it's some things you can't afford to miss. It's some things you got to be sure of. It's some things that can mess you up and set you back 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And to avoid that, prayer and fasting is essential, y'all. Got to have it. Got to have it. Got to have it. When we were starting the ministry, much prayer and much fasting because I had to make sure I was hearing from God. Had to turn down the TV, turn down the radio, turn down everything. I got to make sure I'm hearing God. I got to sacrifice my flesh because it's so imperative. I don't want to miss him on something that's important. So sometimes situations would come and I had to pray and pray and pray until I had peace about it. Whether it was yes or no. So that's a tough one, you know what I mean? But you have to pray and pray. I never when I'm in, when I'm trying to make a big decision, I pray and pray until I get peace about the decision, whether it's yes or whether it's no. Like I got I don't I don't know sometimes because I'll be on the fence. But when God gives me that peace, 
with my answer, I roll with it because if he gave me peace, that's now I got I, I got grace. I thought I got grace now. I'm like, I got peace. I got grace. So even if I might think I might have misheard him and I might have made the wrong decision because I submitted to him, I believe he's gonna lead me around the right way whether I made the right decision or not. But I submitted to him with my all and gave him all I got. So have peace when you're praying. And fasting is important. Guess what? Jesus fasted. He was God. Trust me out every time. Jesus prayed all the time and fasted all the time. And we get saved and wonder neither one. Pray for your church, Lord. Help your church out. We need you, Jesus. We need you. You God. And you do everything. And we get saved and we don't, we don't want to do anything. But it's nothing just Jesus. Nehemiah fasted, y'all. When he had to go build the gates for Jerusalem, before he even asked the king, he got his plan together. And God wants us to get plans together and do all that. I believe that. I believe we should plan, plot, strategize. You have to have your vision together. But don't be so focused on the vision that you don't pray. Because if God don't allow it to happen, it ain't going to happen. I don't care how much time you put into it. I don't care what you think you're going to do. All kind of hiccups and things are coming that thing. So no matter how important you should plan, you should plot. I believe being ready and knowing what your next move is. But sometimes God want to throw a curveball. And you got to be sensitive to hear if he's saying move this way, move that way. Esther fasted. The whole Israel is about to get wiped out. Everybody about to die. Book of Esther. A fun fact, the book of Esther is the only book in the Bible that doesn't say God. Crazy, right? Don't say God, but he all in the story. You just got to read it. Don't say God, but he just all. He's like, oh my gosh, God doing this, he's doing that. He's putting the right people in the right places. And we got to understand that we mess up because we don't realize we always looking for God, but God uses people. You know what I mean? We be looking for our next miracle. Maybe you the miracle. God uses people. So all through the book of Esther, but she fasted and God did something miraculous. So we must understand we must feed our spirit and starve our flesh sometimes. To get our prayers answered. And when you do this, it yields great results. Alright, alright. The next one. Praying from an obedient life. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus. Praying from an obedient life. First John 3, 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Ooh, that's John right there, the disciple who loved Jesus. He got some words for us right there. If our hearts does not condemn us. See, our hearts are condemned when we sin. Our hearts are condemned. I, I said this before, uh, that when we sin, now we feel we know God's grace is sufficient. But when we mess up. It makes us feel different. We know God covers our sin. We know God loves us. But when we mess up, it's like that love is like, it's just not there no more. It don't feel the same. I'm feeling judgment. I'm feeling all these things. So John is trying to get us to a point that your heart is not condemning you because you messed up. But have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. God is so good. He's still be looking out even when we be disobedient. Yeah, he deserves a clap, a shout, or something right there. He's been good because even when you say it, you ain't been saved all the time. So we praise God, amen. That, that, that even when we jacked up, the Bible says this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So even when we jacked up, He's still showing love. God's so good, He's showing us love even when we didn't even believe in Him. That's how awesome God is we serve. Uh, the Bible says this, that God's goodness leads us to repentance. My God, my God, he's so good that he leads me to repent. Uh, awesome God we serve. 
But 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 we get saved, and then sometimes we get saved and get entangled in sin. We get entangled in bondage from our past life and making past mistakes. And some things should have killed us, but because we can repent, God let it cover us. Amen. It should have killed us, but because we repent, God covered us from our sins. And that doesn't mean we get to walk away scot-free all the time. Uh, I remember talking to a brother, he was like, Pastor, I got all these kids now, man. Uh, child support tearing me up. I got saved. And this and that. And I don't understand why I ain't got no money. I'm like, well, God saved you from your sin. Not your consequences, my brother. You still got to take care of the babies. I'm sorry. Check the check going to be short for a while. I don't know what to tell you, man. You know what I mean? Can't, can't make that go away. God don't work like that. But God saves us. And sometimes the repercussions come. But we didn't, we didn't get away scot-free. But we still don't get judged for everything that we didn't done. Amen. Because he loves us. So we thank God for grace and mercy. So, But this is trying to show us the importance of being obedient. Us to have children, you already know. So, man, this is my house. I don't know about y'all. The obedient ones seem to get a little bit more. Praise God. You the one that want to clean up and you want to listen and you doing what you're supposed to do and handle your business. You seem to get a little more and a little hard-headed ones. Amen. Because they need to learn what they need to do. They need to get their life together. So if us, when we feel that way as parents, God is the father. Why don't you think he feel that way neither? It ain't that somebody's better than you. It ain't somebody's none of that. It ain't that he even liked them better than you. God don't have favorites. They just might have been obeying me. And that's why you see that favor and that grace on their life because they've been doing what they're supposed to be doing. And you can't, you can, I can't be living raggedy and think I'm supposed to get the same thing as the person that been living holy. Amen. That's not even fair. That's not even logical. That doesn't make sense. That's like me. So I go to work for eight hours and you work 40, but I want the same check you got. Right. That don't make no sense. So I don't know why we think God is supposed to be something different just because he's God. It doesn't work like that. So we got to understand the importance of being obedient. God is a father. and We live to please our father. And we please our father. He's a, he says it right there. He, he's willing to give us those things that we pray for. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things he will add unto you. He knows we got things that we want. He knows that. But he wants you to seek him first. See, God has to be first, not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth. First, when he becomes first, then we get to the, another level of favor over our life, y'all. Yeah. Understand that, understand that. Yes, he is, yes, he is. So praying for an obedient life. Check this out, check this out. Another scripture. Uh, this is in James, uh, James chapter 5. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produces fruit. My God, my God. Look at that, look at that. Look, look, look at how it goes. Confess your trespasses one to another. Remember, Acts, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession. You got to confess your sins. Bible says, if I hold sin in my heart, then God will not hear me. You got to get that stuff out of your heart before you come to them in prayer and asking and doing all that. It, it, it's like he got an earplug. He can't hear what you're saying because you're holding on to your sin. He's seen it, so go ahead and confess it. So we confess our trespasses. Then if we want to be real Christians right here. To one another. <laughs> Look, we don't tell nobody what we did, praise God, amen. So, and, and, and sometimes some people ain't mature enough. So you need to know who you confess to. Because sometimes people are not mature enough. 
But you're supposed to confess to one another. Why? So that you may be healed. Uh, something my pastor says that, 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 that a stronghold only comes when you and the devil know about it. The reason that you suck and can't get out of it because don't nobody know but you and the devil. You need to tell somebody so you can get free. That's why the Bible says that confess to one another that you may be healed. Your healing come in your confession. Sometimes people sick and all bottled up because they hold on to all these sins in their heart and they just clogged up and can't get it out. You think what's wrong with them having a heart attack? They're having a spiritual heart attack. They got stuff clogged up in there. Ain't confess to nobody. So confess that you may be healed. Then he says this, the effective. What is effect? The fervent prayer. So effective and fervent means that I am strong in prayer. I'm going to God. It ain't always that I'm yelling and I'm shouting. It ain't got nothing to do with your voice. It's the position of your heart. That, that the way I'm taking this prayer, I'm taking it seriously. I'm believing God can do what I'm asking him to do. I'm honoring him. I, I confess all these things. I'm being obedient. The fervent, effective prayer of the righteous man avails much. He's giving us a key on how our prayers avail much. I don't know about you, but I, need, I want my prayers availed much. I need my prayers answered. Praise God. I want to see my prayers answered. So not only does it, does it, it help me out, but it helps my children as well. Remember, this whole thing started with building a legacy of prayer that when they see me pray and God answer my prayers, that is going to build up their faith that, dang, I can go to God and ask God for anything. I want you to ask him for more than what I ask for. I want your faith to be 10 times the size of mine. So, God, so Elijah, and this is where we get the, 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 um, the, the confidence, I believe, because Elijah, I talked about Jesus getting his prayer. You're like, that's Jesus, Pastor. But Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Yeah, so but he ain't no super, ain't no superheroes in the Bible. It's all flawed men and flawed women that messed up. Some they all their dirty laundry's in the Bible. They done messed up and did something wrong. So they are flawed people. He said he got a nature like ours, but he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Think about that. He said it would not rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. God shut the whole kingdom down to get the king's attention because the king was in sin. Uh, uh, Ahab was in sin. And God said, I got to get his attention. So it didn't rain for six months. But when he said it would rain, that day it did rain. And, and it produced food. Praise God. So sometimes you got to pray for the rain in your life. Rain ain't always a bad thing. I hear the sound, the abundance of rain. That means my blessing is on the way. You know, nothing grows without rain. And when we in a severe drought, the whole earth is going to be in famine. The whole earth is going to be bad. There's no fruit, no vegetables. We need rain. So sometimes rain, though it might be in a little storm in your life, is producing fruit. God wants to produce fruit in your life. So the next one on our list is praying while abiding in Christ. This is in John 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen. Amen. So look at Jesus telling us how important he is to us. Don't get it twisted. You got to be connected to me because without me, you can do nothing. So what does abide mean? Abide is a verb, which means it's an action word. To accept or act in accordance with the rule, decision, or recommendation. Abiding means enduring, lasting a long time. So Jesus wants us to be in it for the long haul. He wants us to abide with him. What does the Bible say? The race is not given to the strong nor the swift, but the one that endures to the end. It is something about sticking.
digging into it, stick to it this. It's something about uh, hanging on to it. That's what uh, uh, piques God's interest we're able to hang into it. So whatever our source of our abiding is will determine the output we receive. Think about that. Whatever the source of our abiding is will determine the output we receive. So, so, so God gave me this. I was at work this week and, and, and um, my phone needed to be charged. So my supervisor has a, has, a, has a charger there and my phone needed to be charged. My phone was on 17%. Put my phone on the charger. I'm working. Go. Give me some water. I'm working for a minute. A whole hour and went by. My phone's still on 17%. Mm. <laughs> but it's wrong. The, 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 the charger has the white thing in the same. So I know it says, it says charge when I look at it and it's not working. So I'm like, man, this thing tripping. So I go, leave it over there, go do some work again, do some work. I pick it up this time. So I'm about to go plug it up by the microwave because maybe something wrong with this, uh, this power surge. So I put it in by the microwave, go do my work, do my thing, my thing, go back, 17%. What the heck is wrong with this phone? So I'm asking another person at work. They said, yeah, it is tripping. I don't know what's wrong with it. So I go put it in my car. I put it in my car. I leave it in my car. I come back out to my car. It's on 54%. So I'm like, what is wrong? So the charger works. So something's wrong. So we leave and come back. The next day, uh, uh, one of my workers comes in and she brings a block, a different block, plugs it into that same outlet, a different block. I charge my phone. My phone goes to 100%. It was the block that was messed up. Nothing was wrong with the charger. Nothing was wrong with the outlet. The problem was the block. It was abiding in the wrong thing. So I can have the right idea, the right concept, but if I'm not abiding in Jesus, Amen. it's not going to be answered. If I'm not abiding in him, apart from me, you can do nothing. My, char- my phone said it was charging, but it was stuck on 17%. Right. Same thing with us. When we say we were in Jesus, we're not abiding in him. We think we're going somewhere, but we really ain't going nowhere, y'all. Yeah. You have to abide in the Father. And Jesus will give you whatever you desire, but you got to abide in him because you're praying for his will to come forth. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. I think this is. Yep. 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 This last one right here. Praying while delighting in the Lord. My God. My God. Psalm 37 and 4. I added five to it because a lot of us know Psalm 37 and 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Again, we like to quote scripture. That's a beautiful scripture to quote, but you can't leave out verse five. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Wow. Delight yourself. And God wants you to be excited about what he's doing in your life. He does. You should be excited about what God's doing in your life. God is amazing. He's God. He can do more. He's mind-blowing. So you should be excited. But this is why Jesus says like this. Be faithful over a few things so I can make you ruler over much. Because you're committing your way to the Lord. You're trusting him. And he's going to bring it to pass. We don't take care of the small stuff. We're not going to be able to handle the big stuff. This quote messed me up for my life. I wouldn't. I didn't even know a lot about Dr. Miles Monroe. I know he wrote a lot of books. Some of my friends ran to him, and uh, I just started kind of watching him like over the last year. He's he's gone on with the Lord now. His family had passed away in a plane crash. But brilliant man, he said this, and it messed me up. God doesn't give us what we pray for; He gives us what we can manage. Amen. Woo! Talk about a punch to the face. That's a that's a Mike Tyson uppercut, close range. God doesn't give us what we pray for. He gives us what we can manage, which means you could be asking God for all this stuff. But if you can't manage it, why would he give it to you? His name on the line. Why would I give you this crazy blessing for you to jack it up? Now people looking at me like I'm crazy. But no, 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 no. We got to understand 
that we got to be able to manage whatever we're praying for. So if I have a gigantic vision, that means I need to work on myself to put myself in the best position so I'm able to handle this vision I believe God's given me. I need to be uh, adapt to handle it if I'm going to lead or whatever I'm going to do. Uh, I got to be the one that's being able to handle and make the vision go forth. Because we're good at quoting scripture and leaving out the part that's connected to it. Don't ever be that person that quote one verse and just go on and go on about your way. Because verses are connected. They connected. You can't have four without five. You can delight in the Lord all you want. And you can think he's going to give you the desires of your heart. But if you don't commit your way to the Lord, how he going to give it to you? If you don't trust him, how he going to give it to you? It's the commitment and the trust. And what bigger commitment and trust is it than praying? Going somewhere by yourself and saying, you, you, I mean, uh, any other time you're talking by yourself, you think you're crazy. So going somewhere and praying, I'm committing and I'm trusting God that he can bring you to pass. Uh, uh, we got to understand the importance of what God is trying to do. God wants to help us out so much. When we commit our ways to the Lord in prayer, it becomes the foundation of our faith. And once I got foundation, I can't be shaken. The point of the reason buildings are able to stand because they have a solid foundation. And I walk with Christ in our life. Our prayer life has to be our solid foundation in God. And you've got to commit yourself and trust. And don't think because we passed up first with Lady Thomas, we don't have issues. Don't try to throw something this week and shake up our faith. Try to mess us up. But guess what? I'm going to commit my ways to the Lord and trust him so he can bring it to pass. Because sometimes I ain't going to go as planned. That's how you know you got to go. you got to go get it. Because you got a plan. Remember I said you should have a plan. You should have everything written down in a vision, what you're going to do. But sometimes a monkey rich going to come in that thing because nothing's going to be perfect how you drew it up. And then when that happens, it's going to say, am I going to keep going or am I going to fold? Am I going to believe God can? Am I faith going to believe God can or am I going to stop? You got to understand the importance that whatever God has put you in, he's giving you the victory. You can get it, but don't let doubt keep you where you keep you uh, bogged down into where he's trying to get you to. So understand that even when it don't go in plan, usually that means God's trying to give you a testimony. Amen. When it don't go as planned, he's like, I'm trying to make my name greater. It looked good how you had it drew up, but, but, but the way I'm going to do it, it's going to be much better. I said you commit to me and trust me. Uh, this is it, and I'm done. If I was God, Moses, check this out. Moses was Pharaoh's son, right? He came into the kingdom. Moses' daughter adopted, I mean, Pharaoh's daughter adopted Moses. So, technically, Moses was older than his little brother. He would have been in line to be the next Pharaoh. So, why didn't God just say, you know what? I'm going to kill Pharaoh, let Moses become Pharaoh, and then he's going to let the people go. Right. Exodus would be about five chapters. <laughs> be a lot quicker that's what I would do but, but, but if he did it that way the government might have got the credit Moses might have got to get the credit but we, well, we know the story God had to go through 10 whole plagues shut down every god of Egypt then God had to do a, a Passover kill a lamb put blood over the door so that everybody that had the blood on their door which gave us a vision of Jesus coming that the death angel would pass over him so we get grace to be covered in the blood then he go and split a big old red sea let them walk through on dry land just so he can get the glory because my way to do it is better. Amen. So don't get discouraged when your plan don't feel like it's coming to pass or it's taking a little bit longer than you thought. Mm -hmm. God building up your testimony. Amen. So you got to have enough faith to still be able to move when God says move. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You got to praise in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, oh God. We thank you.